Today's message is entitled, Don't Take Your Faith for Granted. Don't take your faith for granted. In other words, don't take your faith for granted. Instead, use it for greatness or goodness. Um, there's some of us who have taken our faith for granted and, and we kind of forget about faith. So as we continue with this uh, family business series, I've spent six months preaching um, astutely about uh, Christian service and the believer developing a business, a franchise for God in the earth. And I've taught many business lessons and principles from my own career background uh, from the IT industry and incorporated that with biblical principles to try and teach us how to be entrepreneurs in serving God in the earth. So, Today's lesson connects from this perspective. Behind every successful business is the quiet obedience of faith. Say that again. Behind every successful business is the quiet obedience of faith. So while you go out and you market your business and you put your slogans out and you brand your, your you, you know, put your brand out and you go out and you make your sales pitch and, you know, you show people your face, you put your uh, 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 marketing ads up on billboards and online, there's still this quiet element that people don't see and it's the obedience to faith. So while every business has its day-to-day -day operations, you know, you've got your staffing issues, property issues, sales, etc. Watch this now. No person goes into business without first a belief that it can be successful. Oh, you missed that. I'm, I'm going to say that again. Nobody goes into business without first having a belief that it could be successful. But often, watch this now, that's that's faith. So when, when you believe, because the business isn't even manifested yet. So be, before you even start it, you have this quiet resolve and obedience to faith. You believe it can happen. So you keep trying to invest. You keep trying to work it. Are you tracking? But often, watch this now, watch this, Terry, when the, when the business becomes a success, or you reach a certain place in the business, that faith that got us started begins to be taken for granted or even forsaken. Now, watch this now. Many of us start things, even we started our Christian walk, so on fire for Jesus, saved and sanctified. But, you know, after things didn't go our way, then we stopped depending on faith. We we stopped relying on God and we started relying on our jobs, our status, our position, our uh, economic status. 
So a complacency sets in that opens the door for others to begin to receive what was exclusively ordained for us. Watch this now, you're going to miss it. What I'm trying to say is that when you start out with faith, oh, you're pleasing God, right? You're doing what he asked you to do. But now that, listen, in other words, when you walk by faith, when you operate in that obedience to faith, there are things that God does for you supernaturally. But when you take that faith for granted and you set it on the shelf, you put it aside, watch this now, All those miracles, watch this, you're going to miss it. All those miracles and supernatural things that God has ordained specifically for your life and your efforts, watch this now, can be tapped into by somebody else who's willing to have the faith that you set aside. Ah, you're going to miss it. Watch this now. So in today's story, we see just how this happened to Israel. What I just explained to you is what happened to Israel. Israel was the place and the people of the promises of God. Watch this now. But God wanted to remind them through today's text of what happens, the detriments of taking their faith for granted. Um, Israel thought, we're going to always have the promises. We're going to always be blessed. God is going to always work on our behalf. Well, I'm not so sure. When you neglect your faith, when you start believing that you are aware you are because of you, because of your networking, because of your bankroll, because of your skills and education, you begin to take God's faith for granted. I'm going to show you what that looks like because you're saying, well, I, I, I believe in God. I'm, no, I'm going to show you what it looks like. So let's review the story of the leper na- named Naaman who is going to help us identify and understand this truth about Israel and about us as believers. So let's go to today's text. Let's go to the first part of the text. Let's look at verses one and two. Uh, I want to look at verses one and two, which says, now Naaman, watch this now, was commander of the army of the king of Aram or Syria, Aram and Syria, same place. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. So watch this. He was a commander. He was a great man. He was highly regarded. Why? Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Ah, God. I wonder how many people are successful, but they have leprosy. Uh, how many people got a million dollars, but they have leprosy? In other words, you've, you've done some great things, but you got a problem still. So verse two says, now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. Now, let me set this up for you. Before I explicate the text, let me first give you the context. Con meaning with text. Let me give you the surrounding information. So you have Aram or Syria 
which is up just north of Israel, all right? So Aram is up north of Israel, but they were neighbors and they were rivals. Now watch this. So Naaman is one of the captains of the armies that attacked Israel, that used to fight with Israel. Watch this now. But apparently right now at this time in the text, they were in a period of peace. Watch this. So in fact, as the text verse two said, Naaman, uh, Naaman housed a prisoner of war that he took from Israel and made her a maid to his wife. So when they were fighting at one time, Naaman captured this young girl from Israel and made him become the maid or the servant of his wife. So this young girl, we'll read about her later, was the personal servant of Naaman, who was the commander and the captain who was fighting with Israel, who happened to have leprosy. Ah, this is going to get good. So the person who's actually fighting with Israel, oh, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it actually has to now go to Israel to ask Israel to heal him of leprosy. Oh man, have you ever had to go to the person you're fighting to ask for a black? Oh, you, you're not with me. I, I'm already, I'm already preaching. So watch this now. Naaman, listen, Naaman, watch this. What is it you're saying? What does this do with, have to do with faith? Lee, Lee Mack, well, let me tell you. Naaman, nor the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, or, or Aram, his name was Ben-Hadad. Not, neither of them were believers. Naaman, so Naaman didn't have no faith, who was the commander of the army. Ben-Hadad, who was the king of where Naaman served, he didn't have no faith. They weren't believers. And even Joram, the king of Israel, didn't believe. He was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So Ain't no faith jumping off anywhere. I'm just trying to get you to see. Joram was the king of Israel. He was the king of God's people and he didn't even have faith. He was the king of the holy city. Point being, this was a time of peace, a time of great honor for Naaman, a time of wealth enough to have servants. Naaman had a maid, but one thing was lacking. Listen to what I'm saying. He was lacking faith. Naaman had no faith. Joram had no faith. How can you expect to experience the blessing in your business or in your entrepreneurship or service in God where there is no faith? My point is, when you set faith aside, when you take it for granted and you lay it down, these are some of the things uh, that you're going to experience, which leads me to point number one. Watch this now. This is powerful. Danielle, listen to this. No matter where you are in life, there is always something or someone presently in it that can connect you to faith and God. In this case, it was the maid. Uh, watch this now. Let me repeat that. Wherever you are in your life, let's say you're Naaman, you're without faith. Let's say you're Joram, you're without faith. Let's say you're Ben-Hadad, you're without faith. Let's say you're Naaman's wife, you're without faith. But there's somebody, uh, there's somebody in your business. There's somebody in your life. There's somebody around you. There is always somebody who can reconnect you to faith. Right now, 
wherever you are in your life, God has a line, cat dog it, that reaches you to be able to bring you back to the place you need to be. Ah, God, I'm telling you, God never disconnects from you and says, I've left you alone. He has always got a pipeline or someone who can connect with you to get you back on point. Even for the unbeliever, not one is out there without a lifeline to God. So yeah, you're saying, well, even uh, sinners, even sinners, the crackhead, the dope dealer, the murderer, the thief and the robber right now has somebody near them that God can use to bring them into the kingdom by faith. I'm telling you, this is how powerful Faith is, but you're going to set it on the, you're going to set it aside. You're going to set it on the ledge. You're going, you're going to say, I don't need faith right now because, because I'm doing okay. My point is every person on earth has someone God can use in their lives to point them to God. So in this context, I'm trying to show that in both kingdoms, both in Israel and in Syria, faith was not a priority. Faith was not a priority. That's all I'm, write that down. This is, this is what I'm trying to get you to get. Faith was not a priority. When you take faith for granted, it is not a priority. Faith was not a priority for Naaman. It was not a priority for Joram. Nobody was believing God. But here's what I want you to see. Naaman, listen, even, listen, don't be deceived. Even though Naaman didn't make faith a priority or even have faith, he was still honored. Ooh, he was still successful. Ooh, he was still a commander who was respected by his master. In other words, you can still do well, y'all, and not make faith a priority. Don't assume that because you're being blessed that you're walking in faith. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to miss it. Because the text says, the text indicates that he was honored, but he was still a leper. Oh God, you're going to miss it. Even though he, in his mind, had blocked out what was wrong with him, God understood that he was still a leper. That but, do you have a but in your life? Not your B-U-T-T, but a but in your life. You're doing well, but you can't control your temper. Oh, you, you, you got a great family, you know, you got a great house, but you can't stop smoking or drinking. You, you, you're doing good, but, but you can't stop lying, but that's your but. You can't, but, but you got, you know, something you can't control. You, 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 you're always, um, um, tearing people down. You, you are, you are trying to do something positive, but you have a, but that God is going to demonstrate is impacting you taking your faith for granted. You can be so acclaimed that you forget you have a sickness. And I'm telling you what I'm trying to say, listen to me carefully. I'm saying that there are some believers who are doing so well that you forget you're even sick. You have forgotten that it was faith that brought you this far. How many of you know that old song? We've come this far by faith. Leaning on the Lord. 
Do you understand that you got where you got because of faith and now you want to act brand new that if you're doing so well, you forget to pray? Oh, I got another meeting to go to. I don't have time for Bible study. You keep putting everything before God. What is wrong with you? Why are you not letting faith continue as a priority? When you first got saved, you were in church every week. When you first got healed, look, you prayed and asked God, you just get me out this hospital. You didn't get me out this hospital. I'll do everything you want me to do. You was praying every day. Soon as God healed you and you got better, you haven't prayed as much since then. So what does God have to do? Put you back in the hospital in order for you to make faith a priority? That's all right. Don't, don't email me and don't like me today. That's all right. I'm going to talk to somebody. Even those who have this level of deception, God can still illustrate this truth that he wants to bring out. So let me go to point two. Let's go on to the next part of the text. I want to show you the text that says in verses number three through five. She said to her mistress, so here's what happened. Uh, the, the, the little maid, the maid said to Naaman's wife, had a conversation, and she said, now notice, she's the slave. She's, she's serving the people who took her. She's a POW, a prisoner of war. And she's saying to the mistress, if only my master, meaning Naaman, would see the prophet who is in Samaria. Samaria is in Israel. He would cure him of his leprosy. So then verse four says, Naaman went to his master, meaning his king, Benadad, told him what the girl from Israel had said. And the king said, by all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. In other words, he felt like he was going to go and he was going to buy himself some leprosy cure. He was going to be a blessing to the person who healed them. So watch this now. Look at this. The maid told Naaman's wife about a prophet she probably remembered back home who could heal her husband's leprosy. Now watch this. She's serving the guy who captured her she was a slave, but even she had not forgotten her history or her faith. So let me, so let's look at the, the first character was Naaman, who didn't have no faith, who got it going on, right? And he's, he said, he don't have no faith. He's not living by God. But here we have an example of a maid who's serving the person who's captured, cat dog it. Mm. And then uh, she's in dire straits in a situation, missing her family away from her hometown. But she still has enough faith to not forget that there's a prophet in Israel, cat dog it, who can heal the person who kept, oh, hold on. So even though this woman was a prisoner of war, she apparently worked faithfully enough to gain the respect of being listened to by her owners. Uh, that's all right. Some of y'all don't even like your job. You don't like your job. You call your job your prison. But because you don't like it so much, you don't. You have a horrible relationship with your boss. You don't get along with nobody because your attitude is nasty. I'm telling you, take a lesson 
from this maid who is serving the person who has captured them and taken them from their family and they still have the faith enough to seek God and to believe for healing for the person who is enslaving them. Oh my God. Don't miss this lesson. We're talking about Naaman is about to go to Israel, a people who they're warring with, asking for healing from leprosy. And how is that made possible? Eh, by the maid who is serving the captain who captured her, the little nobody who's washing dishes and washing drawers and socks and changing diapers and doing whatever. She had the faith to say to the man who captured her, go see a prophet in Israel who has the power uh, to heal you. I'm talking about keeping keeping faith, keeping faith a priority. So even though she was a prisoner, she had the respect that of her owners being able to listen to her. And also, watch this now, she must have developed a relationship enough to care about the well-being of her master. Who would want who would want their master to be healed? What what person in their right mind would say to the person who enslaved them and took them from their family, I want you to be okay. I want you to be okay. In other words, I have faith enough. Cat dog it. I have faith enough in God to want better for you. God, I have faith enough. Faith is such a priority for me, even though my business is not going well. She's a maid in somebody else's house. She may have had dreams of her own that were set aside and castigated by the this commander who came and took her, but she still has faith enough to wish the well-being of somebody. I'm sure she has a reason and a right to not like. Oh, that's all right. Be quiet. Go to sleep. Everyone, go and roll over lay down in the bed. Go back to sleep. This ain't for you. Also, she had to have this care and concern. It suggests that no matter what her state was, on the other side as a prisoner or at home in the Holy Land, no matter where I am, she must obey the Lord when he says, speak up. Let me tell you something. You lose your job and you automatically get mad at God and then you don't want to do nothing for him no more. Your faith is thrown out. You don't want to, somebody in Sunday school looked at you funny or told you, said you can't sit here, you can't park here. You ain't been back to church and your favorite quote is all Christians are hypocrites. I'm telling you, you have let your faith not become a priority because I'm telling you this young girl had every reason to let her faith slide by the wayside for her to just say, my life is over. I'm going to be serving somebody else who who is a, a war, who is at war with my hometown. But she didn't stay there. She said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe no matter what state I'm in. I'm going to use my cap. Pow, pow. I'm going to use my faith for the glory of God. Regardless that my business isn't working, regardless that my marriage is struggling, regardless that my children are doing their own thing, regardless of this pain in my side or my knee, I'm going to do what God says by faith. I'm going to trust him no matter what. Is anybody listening or hearing what I'm saying? I don't know. Have they dropped off joy? Just tell me if they're saying amen or not. She could have been bitter 
She could have said, I don't want to help you. She could have said, you took me from my family. You took me from my friends. But instead, she adopted. She adapted and she said, I'll be usable by God in any situation. She was the least likely to voice, to have answers. Most people, watch this now. Most people, watch this now. Don't miss this, Omari. Watch this now. Most people looking for healing. Oh, you're going to miss this, Shana. Most people looking for healing call the best doctors, right? Most people who need healing from leprosy or some big disease, they call the smartest scientists. You know, you said, uh, yes, we're going to get, I'm flying to Scotland to get a second opinion. Uh, I'm going to for my fourth opinion uh, because uh, there's a specialist over there who could do wonders. You know, you know, th- th- these are people who look for answers in people with status. God dog it. No one is sitting there with leprosy saying, let me ask the maid of my wife. Let me, do you hear what I'm saying? Ain't nobody sitting up there at home talking about, I got cancer. Let me call the servant from the other room and say, what what do you think I should do? I'm telling you, you are missing the faith of God. The faith of God lies in the least likely of those around you. And while you are pandering and sucking up and kissing butt and buying your way into places and people thinking they have the answers for you, you have placed your faith aside. You've taken it for granted and you think the answers come from the smartest of people when the answer could be from the servant in the maid's quarter. Because faith Ah, does not rest with the elite. Faith rests with the person on the street, in the back alley, on the corner. Faith rests with those who dare to trust God when they don't have a dime in their pocket. Faith is the power to trust God for a miracle when 10 doctors have said the diagnosis is sure you got two days to die. Faith says regardless of my education status, I didn't even get my diploma, but God can still do what he wants to do through my life. Faith is not relegated to a powerful stratus of people, to politics or a nation or a group or a royal echelons. It's related to people who are open to God regardless of where they are in life. And I came to warn you, don't you dare let faith fall from priority in your life. You'll be looking to people to give you answers. And the answer is right in front of your face and you're missing it. God, is anybody hearing me? Look for your answer in the least likely places of your life. You may find your connection to God is just a stone's throw away. Do you remember point one? Point one was that there is always somebody somewhere in your life who can connect you to the faith of God to give you What you need. So even though she was a captive in another region, she didn't take her faith for granted. She knew it still worked. Is there anybody online who knows your faith still works? Don't answer me. Don't answer me yet. Don't 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 answer me. Don't answer me because it uh, never mind. I want to know, do you believe it still works? Just because a series of things have complicated your life, just because the pandemic has set you back, just because you're in an obscure situation, do you believe that faith still works? She knew it works. 
and she used it. So point number two is don't let your faith die just because you're not in the ideal situation. Don't let your faith die just because you're not happy. (laughs) Hello? Hello? Don't let your faith die just because your family isn't getting along. Don't let your cat dog at faith die because you were passed over for the promotion. Don't let your faith die because you and your spouse can't seem to see Woo! Eyes! Not I! Don't let your faith falter because things are not transpiring the way you envision them. Let your faith live. Uh, give it life again. Tell it to breathe. Faith, breathe again in my life. Uh, come on, faith. Come back to life. Revive it. CPR. Come on, press. Uh, Ten compressions, two breaths to faith. Let's go on to point three. I got to run out of here. I'm running out of time. Let's look at the text says in verses six through 11. It says the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you can cure him of his, his leprosy. He says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and and bring back to life? I can't do that. Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. So the king thought it was a setup. The king of Israel was like, this got to be a setup. And then notice too, how the king got all defensive and, 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 and uh, territorial. Uh, never mind. When you ain't right, you, you get defensive. Never mind. I don't have time. That's another sermon. So, so go to verse number eight. He says, then when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Here it is again. Remember, the maid was in his house. She had faith. And so she overheard. She told Naaman. But watch this now. The Joram, king of Israel, doesn't have faith. But Elisha, there's somebody of faith on the Israel side. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's somebody of faith on Naaman's side. And there's somebody of faith, cat dog it, on Israel's side. I'm trying to get you to see that there's always somebody on your presence who has the connection that you need to heal you. So he says, have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, bring him to me. Don't, don't send him to Joram. Don't send him to the king. Send him to me. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. He went to, he went to Elisha's house. Watch this now. Uh, Naaman had COVID. Naaman Naaman didn't have COVID. He had worse than COVID. Naaman had leprosy. So so Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, (laughs) Elisha didn't come to the door. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, hey, I ain't coming out to meet you. You got COVID. No, you got leprosy. He said, go wash your hand. Go wash yourself seven. Go wash your hands for 20 seconds. No, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. I'm joking about COVID, but you can see the similarities in terms of the pandemic of people who are supposed to be untouchable. So he says, go wash yourself seven times in Jordan and your flesh will be restored. Now, this is coming from the person of faith. Joram could never say that. Naaman could never say that. Only the maid and Elisha could say that. So watch this. Now let's get the last verse. The last verse says, 
But Naaman went away angry. Oh my God. And said, I thought that he would surely come out to meet me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. In other words, Naaman was sitting there thinking, I thought he was just going to come out and lay hands on me and I was going to be. Because you know what? Let me tell you something. People, <clears throat> people who have set their faith aside and they think they're so such a much. Uh, little Ben, tell Jamie I said such a much today. People who think they're so such a much feel like they need to be treated a special kind of way. And I'm going to tell you something. You sitting there in your house thinking God need to treat you a certain kind of way. You must be out of your mind. You sitting up there thinking, well, if God don't do it this way, then it ain't going to get done. I'm be mad at him. Oh, be quiet. That is a sign of your immaturity from Jump Street. You don't even know. You don't have a clue of how God. Dude, tell me, let me tell you something. God talked through donkeys. God brought blessings to people in the most obscure ways. He sent people back to the promised land using people who were heathens. They weren't even believers, which is the point of today's message. You sitting there thinking, well, you know, the pastor didn't call me. He didn't call me, so I ain't going back to church. What is wrong with you? You have allowed your faith to be stymied and curtailed by the sickness of your own psyche. You have failed to be aware of your condition. And that's what I want you to understand. When Naaman got permission from the king of Aaron to go to Israel to find the prophet, He met the king who reacted erratically, thinking it was a trick to incite him to war. But Naaman wasn't even looking for the king. Do you hear what I'm saying? Naaman didn't even come and ask you the king. He Remember the maid said, go see the prophet in Israel, in Samaria. He didn't say, go see uh, uh, Joram the king. But the king automatically assumed that it's about me. All you about me Christians are going to miss the blessing of God because you have centered everything around you. And I'm telling you God works through other people too you're gonna god dog it that's all right I, I wish I had some help here so watch this the king couldn't point to the prophet the king didn't even want to send him to Elisha why because the king knew he was doing dirt and he said the prophets around here don't do nothing but speak against me so I ain't sending you to Elisha Elisha don't do nothing but talk bad about me so the, the king Joram got all attitudinal and got all erratic because he felt guilty. He was being defensive because he knew he hadn't been living right. And I'm God dog it, I hope you get these nuggets from this. I don't have time to go down that road. But once again, the dearth of faith participants couldn't lead him to God. In other words, what I'm trying to get you to see, Naaman's king couldn't lead him to God. Joram couldn't lead him to God. He didn't even know where Elisha was. Only people of faith can lead you to God. I'm telling you, the maid in Naaman's life led him to God. Elisha in Israel led him to God. And if you're sitting around running your business and you ain't got nobody of faith in your life oh you are out of your contusion on mine you need somebody who has a connection with God and I'm trying to tell you that's why many of you need a pastor I don't need no church I don't need no pastor I don't need then you're saying you don't need somebody of faith in your life what is wrong with you when I get in trouble I call men and women of faith and I ask them to point me to God because I might be missing it. And that's the point of Naaman. He was so successful. He was so busy. He didn't even know he was sick. And sometimes you're living your life and you don't even know you're off mark. You're sinning and you don't even know it. Can 
ain't nobody tell you nothing. Every time somebody tries to correct you politically, you get all defensive. I ain't doing that. But real people of faith can walk up in your life and tell you the truth about what you're doing and who you are, but not just to condemn you and judge you, but to say, this is where you need to go. This is who you need to see. Thank God for the people of faith in my life. Thank God for the Dorothy Myers. Thank God for the Opalie Smiths. Thank God for the people God placed in my life, the Bishop Reeds and the Bishop Almers and and uh, uh, Pastor Jack Kafer. Thank you for these pillar of men who helped me through some of the worst and toughest time when I was running down the street fearing my life. I was able to pull out my cell phone and call Bishop Reed and say, I'm in trouble. And he began to talk me down and say, son, have faith in God. Whoa, I'm trying to tell you, people of faith, help you know where you got to go to get your healing and how dare you sit up there in your home on a Sunday afternoon you could be at church worshiping God but instead you're gallivanting and planning a picnic without people of faith shame on you that's alright I know ain't nobody coming back to this church I know I'm done this is a one day wonder the king couldn't point to him Our connection to God comes from those who have been alerted to help us by God himself. And I'm telling you, there are people in our lives who God alerts them. Say, look here, Cherry's about to get in some stuff. But I need you to be sitting on ready. I need you to be ready. Joy is about to make a mistake. But that's why you got to have yourself flanked with people of faith. So if you're waiting for that aha moment from the regular people around you, it's not likely to happen. I love this commercial. Joy likes this commercial where this lady comes in and she has a meeting, a board meeting with all herselves. And she starts speaking to each one of herself. She says, happy self, what do you think? Happy self says, oh, I think you should do it, girl. I think you should do it. And then pessimist, pessimistic self, what should you do? Well, you know it ain't going work anyway I'm telling you so you, you got all of these these different selves you're surrounded by nothing but yourself and you're deceiving yourself because yourself is still talking I don't care if it's the happy the pessimistic or whoever you can't get past yourself and you need to go outside cat dogging and that's the point of this message where God is saying I'm going to go outside of Israel to show you that faith matters I'm going to go outside to the Gentiles I'm going to leave you, Israel, and I'm going to bring the salvation of the gospel to people who don't deserve it to show you the importance of having faith in me. Woo, that's all right. This message is juicy. This is some lean prime rib, baby. Well done. Cut it smooth. Let me tell you something now. Elijah heard of the inquiry and summons for naming himself. What I'm trying to say is you don't always have to find the person of faith. The person of faith will find you. Woo! Come on, I gotta dance on that. Just come on, let me do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if God really wants to help you to prove a point, he'll get faith people to you. Elisha didn't come out to meet him, but he sent him instructions. And Naaman was mad. And why was Naaman mad? He was mad because Elisha treated him like a leper. Can I just talk to you people who are mad because people treat you for the liar that you really are? Don't get mad because they know you lie. They don't trust you with a job. They don't trust you with the keys. They don't trust you with their kids because you're a liar. You're like, why you, why you want to let me drive? Why you want to let me come over to your house? Because you're a liar. You're a stealer. You're a thief. I know who you really are. Naaman got mad because Elisha wouldn't come out because Elisha knew that 
Naaman was a leper. And I'm telling you, some people surround themselves with people who don't recognize them as lepers. They blow smoke up their gut and tell, oh, you're the best thing ever. Oh, you don't, you, you don't lie. You don't do nothing. You don't. The man has leprosy and everybody around him are nothing but yes men and women. And I'm telling you, you need somebody like Elisha. You need somebody like the maid in your life who's willing to stand back from you and be like, I ain't, I ain't messing with you. I ain't messing with you, but I do have a word for you. I, ooh, this is juicy. I ain't, I ain't got time for I'm hanging out with you. I ain't coming over your house. I ain't doing all that with you. You got some stuff in your life you need to get together. But I'm telling you, I'm the man or woman of God who can point you to it. I'm not condemning you. I'm not ostracizing you. I'm not cutting you off never to call you again. You old and janky Christians who keep cutting people off and never call them. You just done with them. I'm telling God never cuts people people off and said, I'm done with you. God always leaves a lifeline. And so he had this opportunity to experience the blessing from Elijah. And instead he got mad because he got called out. His pride got in the way of his blessing and God will treat you for the person you really are. Can I just talk to a minute for, for a minute, Cynthia, to people who think God should bless them because you've been to Sunday school eight times or you've been, you helped two people this year. You think God should bless you? No, God ain't blessing you because he's treating you for the person you are. He knows that you, if you really blow up, you ain't. If you really get on a platform, you're going to act up. You, you, you can't handle your pride. You're arrogant. You conceited. So he suppresses you and he keeps you humble. And now you mad at God and you mad because it's not happening. I'm telling you, don't be mad at God. All he's doing is treating you for the problem you really have oh that's deeper than what I said that's deeper if, if you could hear it with spiritual ears God will treat you for the person you really are don't surround yourself with people who won't tell you the truth it will pull you further and further away from faith in God so my point number three is when you take your faith for granted you begin to believe the lie of another truth notice what I said you begin to believe the lie of another truth. In other words, you start believing your own lie. You start believing your own deception. Instead of believing the truth of God, you start believing the lie of an alternate truth. When you take your faith for granted, you don't know where your next blessing is. Faith always blesses based on the person you really are. That's a quotable. Faith always blesses based on the person you really are. God is not going to give you Moses' blessing. God is not giving you Jacob's blessing. God is not giving you Joshua's blessing. God is giving you Cherry's blessing because your blessing is based on who you are. If you don't like what you're getting from God, change who you are in God. If you don't like what you're getting from God, change who you are in God. I'm not going to make it. Let me go to point four. Let's wrap this up. The man had the nerve to say, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? 
instead of going to the Jordan. You want me to go to Jordan and wash seven times? I got I got pools at home that are better than than that. This man is is sick. he's he's got leprosy. I mean, the nerve that you have a sickness, you have sin in your life, and you're trying to be choosy of how to respond to God. What is wrong? So he turned and went off in rage. So look at verse number 13. He says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? Won't you do that? So then verse 14, he says, so he went down. He listened to his servants. He listened to the people. He said, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And what happened? And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Let me start honing this in. Elisha gave Naaman simple instructions. He said, I'm treating you like a leper. I ain't coming out to meet you. Go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be cleansed. Instead of taking that simple instruction, Naaman said, well, I'm going to go back home and jump in one of my own pools, the Anna or the Parfa or whatever the, the name of it was. He said, those pools are better. But here's what I want you to unsee. I want you to watch this. I know some people are going to jump off on this. Watch this. But because it was something simple, Naaman refused to do it. And then it had the nerve to say he had better pools at home. In other words, God says, don't, don't ask the scientists and, and the doctors over here. Just, just, just listen to your child. Listen to your coworker who's been trying to tell you. Listen to your maid. The people you don't think are likely to have the word of God for you. He says, listen to them. But we don't listen because it can't be that easy. Have you ever walked away from saying, oh, ain't nothing that easy. Ain't nothing free. Ain't nothing that free. Ain't nothing, I ain't, I ain't doing that. And you mean, it is free. My point is, it wasn't the pools. Elisha, it wasn't the pool. It could have been NR. It could have been Parfa. It could have been Jordan. It, it's not the pools. It's not the number of times you dipped. He could have dipped once. He could have dipped 12. But the point was, do what the man of God asked you. You arguing over which pool and how many times. Just do what. The methods of our lives are nothing but tools. They don't possess power in and of themselves. The power was not in the pool. The power was not in the how many times he dipped. The power was in the good old fashioned obedience to God. Your blessing is not in the job you go to. The blessing is not to the doctor who's seeing you. The blessing is not to the person you married. The blessing is in your obedience to God. And you're living your life trying to please everybody and everything when God says, just obey me. His servants reminded him. He said, his servant said, Captain, if Elijah had given you something complicated to do, you would have done it. But why? Because we think that the more complex the remedy for our lives, the more we will believe it. In other words, God has to 
give us a hard thing in order for us to believe that it's from him. We're looking for complex things. We think the more complex our lives, the more complex God's answer will be. No, your life is a wreck. It is complex. What do we say? It's complicated. Not for God. My point is, God doesn't need a complicated solution. I'm sure this vaccine for COVID-19, it was complicated to figure it out. But I'm telling you, to cure you, God is not mixing or testing for what the cure is. He is the cure, and it's simple. The simple cure for your life is obey Him by faith. We ignore the simple things that actually carry our biggest blessings. Let me give you this example as I wrap this up. I'm one of the few pastors that believe in discipleship. And I ask members to send in a report about their spiritual progress four times a year, which is 7.7% of the 52 times per year that I preach faithfully. I ask a simple request for those of you who come week after week, just let me know how you're doing once a quarter. But it's too simple. It's too simple. Had I asked for something more complex and profound, perhaps they would have complied because many think that the severity of the problem needs a severe matching solution. It's not deep. I don't know what you're asking for, Pastor. I don't know what you I don't know what to write. I don't know. It's not deep. How have you been obeying God? How have you been hearing? That's all. Go wash in the pool seven times. Don't complicate it. But so instead of because you're not sure, you submit nothing. God says, even for your most difficult situation, my response will always be simple. It's faith. And do you know why it's simple? Because the Bible says, There is nothing too hard for God. So anything you're going through is a simple thing for God. So next time you're worried about whether or not you can do that job they're asking you to do, it's a simple thing for God. Next time Pastor Cherry asks you to send a report or do something to try and show your discipleship, then you ought to do it and say it's a simple thing for God. God says, I don't need your faith for the complex. I don't need you to be all deep when you the doctors say you got cancer and you about to die. Oh yeah, everybody gets spiritual then. But what about what about the simple thing of calling your neighbor? I told you to call your neighbor, check on them and say I'm praying for you. You can't find the time. God said, I don't need your faith for the complex. The complex is mine. Leave it to me. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Stop complicating this. Let me bless you. Just have faith. So point four is when faith is taken for granted, life becomes more complicated. 
When you don't make faith a priority, life becomes more complicated. Your arguments get more intense. They get more severe. Your relationship with your children goes off the rails. Your boss doesn't understand you and you don't understand your boss. Your life gets complicated. And the rat race to solve every problem of complexity takes over our lives and we miss out on the powerful blessings of God hidden in his daily simple instructions. It ain't that deep. Here's my conclusion. I thought about stopping and just ending, but I'm going to finish. And if it's just me on, it will just be me. The text says, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know. That there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. I don't want anything from you. And even though Naaman urged him and tried to persuade him, he refused. Finally, he said, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god. But the Lord. Today's story is really about an an outsider. But the message of the story is to Israel, who are the insiders. God uses a leper, Naaman, to show Israel in the city of God. You've taken your faith for granted. So because you've taken your faith for granted, I will heal somebody outside of the city to show you you're missing the blessing inside of the city. You have a pastor who faithfully prepares for you week after week after week. To bring the blessing, the simplicity of the instructions to you. And because you take it for granted, God says, I may take that blessing and give it to somebody outside of this unit. Because they have the audacity to believe it and respond to it. When I prepare these messages and when I prepare service, I prepare it as a priority. Whenever I go out of town, me and Joy have to come back before Sunday. We can never do a weekend trip because this ministry is priority. 
authority. When I have to study, it's priority over dinner time. It's priority over going out to the lounge with the missus. When people call in sick and want prayer, come to the hospital, do whatever, it becomes a priority where I neglect my own fun and happiness. Because you're a priority. But when you hear messages like this, when you hear astounding words, and you say, oh, Pastor, that's a great word, and you take that word and you do nothing with it. Because faith is not a priority. And it's time for the church to stop playing church, stop making preachers celebrities and putting people on pedestals who can sing real good and do good things and look good and park fancy cars to make a show out of the gospel and to fill the room instead with people of faith. If everybody came online with a believing heart, do you not tell me that somebody would not receive a miracle? No, everybody waits for the pastor to pray. Everybody waits for the pastor. No. Together, if we make faith a priority, we, as a ministry, can move mountains. So God is serving Israel. Notice that because of their lack of faith, the children's bread of healing would soon be shared with the heathen nations. And thank God, because of Israel's disobedience and lack of faith, we received the gospel. Jesus came to offer salvation to all those who believe, not just the Jews, but to whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm telling you, somebody else out there hungrier than you, more passionate than you, ready to serve and believe God is going to get your blessing while you sit at home and expect God to do something for you as if you deserve it. I know I'm in trouble. Dana, you got extra room at your house? Can I come stay? (laughs) Naaman requested the heathen. Naaman represents the heathen next to all of us. I know you got some heathen friends. All those heathens around you could be the benefactors of your lack of faith. Then you're mad because your neighbor got it. But oh, everybody else is getting blessed. Everybody else getting blessed. Yeah, you're mad because all the heathen, they ain't even living right. Haven't you said that? They ain't even living right and they getting blessed. They ain't living right and they getting blessed because you don't have the faith to believe him for yours. Is your face red yet? The people of Israel didn't enter rest because of their lack of faith. And I'm afraid too many of us will miss out on the benefits of the family business. I've been preaching for six months. Powerful messages about God doing great things through your life as a business. And one person, one person sent in a report to tell me they've been blessed by it. One out of 20 to 25. One.
The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So for every action, there is an equal reaction. Do you get what I'm saying? For every action, there is an equal reaction. For every sermon preached that God gives you a deliberated and intentional message, there should be a response by you. An act of obedience to the word God gave you. Do something, beloved, with what God is teaching you week after week. Don't just take notes and file it. For the amount of faith you are exposed to, there should be an equal response to the effort poured into getting it to you. In other words, your life should reflect the excellence of the givingness to you of God's word. In other words, to the degree that this message comes through loud and clear with excellence and with intention and on point directly to your heart, you know God is speaking to you. I know I ain't lying. I know I, know, I ain't making this up. I know God is speaking to you. And I'm saying to the degree that it was given to you perfectly is to the degree that your life should reflect what you got. No one should be starving for the word of God if they come here every week. It's quiet, ain't it? Can you hear a pin drop? Be clear that Naaman was only cured because of the initial faith of the maid. Naaman was the recipient of the care and the concern of someone else. And it was her faith that brought him to faith. But once she said there was a prophet in Samaria, Naaman said, let me get some letters. In other words, Naaman didn't even have faith, but he listened to the person who had faith and he went to get it. If you hear the word, move. If God says something to you Sunday, act on it. Go apply for the job. Go open the business. Go. I talked to you eight months. I talked to you last year and you still haven't done it. Naaman went. He wasn't even saved. You saved and you won't do what God. Because of her faithfulness and ultimately his obedience to faith, he too became a believer. And vowed not to sacrifice to any other gods, but the God of Israel. What an ending story, ending to the story. That the unsaved got saved. So the sermon is a reminder that taking your faith for granted can mean passing your benefits to others around you. Don't let life convince you in any way, shape, or form that you don't need God as much as you did before. You need him now more than you ever needed him. We all talk about how we used to be in church as children. We did Sunday school and all the fun we used to have in vacation Bible school. What kind of stories do you have about church as an adult besides the negative ones? Dr. David Jeremiah, who is a, a, a prolific author and teacher, says that he wrote 14 books and revamped his whole ministry and bought a new building for his ministry. This was all after he was 65 years old. In other words, the older you get, you don't draw away from God, you draw closer to him. Our lives should be more constant surrender of more and more to God on a daily basis. So hopefully we see the power of this text 
is yes, Naaman was healed of leprosy, but don't miss the bigger picture that the story was told to intimate that God was healing a heathen because his own family didn't have faith to believe to be healed themselves. That's the message. God told Israel, I healed a man outside of the church to show you, you inside the church are not using the healing that I've given you first. And the Bible said in Luke, he said, only Naaman, Naaman was the only leper healed out of Israel. Naaman, and he wasn't even from there. The text says, no, there was no leper in Israel who got healed. There was only one. That was Naaman, and he was an outsider. So everybody with leprosy in Israel died. Because they didn't have the faith. So pick up your faith, starting today. Tell God you still believe. And when he sends you simple instructions, through the radio ministry, through the man of God, through Pastor Cherry, through whatever you get, reading the word, studying or praying, respond to it in simple obedience by saying, yes, Lord, I will obey. I'm PC. And that's all I've got.